Hello, and welcome to Let's Talk Talking. I'm Cheryl. And I'm Sherry. We're two old SLPs who are just happy to give you our opinion. <laughs> um, last time uh, we did a podcast, it was on standards. And now we're going to talk about something that is newer on the radar, um, although it has been around in various forms. Before, I mean, it has existed forever, but we've just... Uh, the researchers have just labeled it and made it easier for us to do research on it, and that's developmental language disorders. Yeah, so about 10 years ago, I guess it would have been, that there was an international symposium uh, of speech paths and other professionals interested in communication disorders, and they asked that um, the general um, professionals in the field begin to use the standardized term developmental language disorder versus uh, language delay, language disorder, uh, language learning disability, specific language impairment. Yeah. There were so many labels yeah. out there. I forgot about specific language impairment. That was one for a while, wasn't it? Yes. So in order to get everybody to understand and know and to uh, be able to advocate for um, children with this difficulty, we need to use that term. And so that's one of the messages that I would definitely try to uh, tell my colleagues and, and encourage you to in your reporting and in talking to parents and talking to the public, let's use that term. It's being used all over the world and, and hopefully we can get with the program. <laughs> so now, now that they've had a chance to do some research and they've standardized what they mean by DLD, how many kids are, are we expecting that we would see with DLD? Well, the percentages that they're um, giving us is 7 to 14% of the population would have um, DLD. But I think you and I have talked about it, it that generational poverty component that um, raises the children at risk for having uh, DLD is much greater. So it's likely to be more. And I think our experience in school absolutely is that there are more. I would say you're looking at 20 to 25% of, of some of the, the classrooms and maybe even more in some situations where children are not developing language as they should. Yeah, because they haven't been in a, an environment that's rich in language. So uh, yeah, they've been sort of language deprived as we might say. Yes and all the factors around generational poverty and we're going to talk about that in another podcast. We've got a hundred podcasts <laughs> on the list here. It changes a child's brain development uh, to be in those um, environments that are at where children are exposed to so many risks and so many stressors and so it it doesn't allow the brain to uh, develop as it should and therefore yeah we find these all these little guys with quite a significant delay. So in my experience um, over the past 40 years, not all of them in schools, but when I have been in schools, the the kids that I used to get, that used to get referred to me, would be in grade three or four, lots of times grade four, and they would start struggling, or the teacher would notice they, that they were really struggling with reading and comprehension, and maybe they had behavior issues, they weren't following directions, and they didn't have many friends, and so on and so forth. Um, and they would just get referred to me at that point, and then I would do the assessment, and then there was never any time to actually intervene with them. So it's interesting to me that when I looked at 
the the U.S. school SLP caseloads, 60% of the children on their caseloads had a language disorder. And maybe in my caseload, a maximum of 5%. And those were usually kids that had concurrent speech uh, issues like phonological disorders or apraxia. And that's because phonological disorders and apraxia and maybe stuttering and cleft palate and so on, they're so much easier to identify. And DLD is an invisible disorder. It really is, yeah, in comparison. I, I think my experience in the school um, setting was um, probably... I we did focus on language more than your school division. And that goes back to those standards we talked about last time is um, which uh, areas are you focusing on? But we um, luckily with the school division that I had been working with, um, we were able to screen for language in kindergarten and we were able to identify those children as quickly as we could. You know, I've talked about though the fact that even by kindergarten, if you could have backed that up and had intensive services and screened and found those kids when they were two and a half or three, which actually is not too early for language. It may seem like they don't have a lot of language, but it's right at those um, foundation, when you're establishing those foundational skills, they're only, technically, percentage-wise, they're only months behind in their development. Whereas as time goes by, and children don't develop their language at the rate they should be, they fall farther and farther behind their peers. And so by the time they're in grade three, they can be three years delayed or uh, you know, right. way behind their peers. And it's not recognized. Well, no, it's so hard for parents to know um, if they don't hear anything specific. You know, they might think, well, my child is just not attentive. That's why he doesn't follow directions. He's not paying attention. Or maybe I should get his hearing checked. Or, or immature grammar as he's talking right. baby talk. He's always cute. He's talking baby talk. Yeah, me goad. That's so funny. But, you know, there are, there are milestones that need to be met in order to be ready for the each next stage. And, and, of course, one thing that everybody wants their child to be doing is reading. And it's so difficult to read when you don't speak the language that you're trying to read. Right. So when I speak to parents, and in the times that I had an opportunity to explain, you know, what a language problem was or what DLD was, um, it includes reading, speaking, listening, and writing. So all of the modalities are affected by um, a problem with language. So, and also um, your memory and your attention as well. Yeah. So, what uh, what happens with kids in school then is then if because this is so unknown, I, f I feel like it's an unknown disorder. Well, I think I I had meant to mention it even earlier. Eighty percent of the general public have never heard of. DLD or language yeah. difficulties. So you're talking about also about all the leadership. Physicians don't know. The uh, healthcare doesn't know. Education system leaders don't know. Um, and and so how can you ask? How can they intervene? Boards, uh, you know, health boards or school boards. How can they that leadership be interested or try to help out children with these problems if they've never heard of it? 
Right, right. That's a problem. That is, it's a, it's a huge problem. And then I feel these are the kids that I feel have so much potential if we could intervene with them. Because, you know, usually most of their other cognitive skills are intact, but they're just having problems with this one area. And if we can get them... Um, up to snuff or as far as we can get them with the language, their their chances for academic and social success are so much greater. Exactly. Well, if we were to go back to say the relationship between language and attention, um, if I, or even, maybe I'll start with memory first. If I gave you 15 random words, I said, window, swallow, drink, dog, paper, butterfly, um, microphone, keys, and then I asked you to say them back to me. No. Your memory cannot retain that. So why then can it retain it if I said to you, a little girl was riding her bike down the street and she fell down and broke her leg? You could say, a little girl was riding her bike and she fell down and broke her leg. It's language. It's language. And so yeah. you have, so children have to have that capacity of language in order to hold a sentence in, in their memory or um, a paragraph or a, a um, story they've read uh, from beginning to end or any of those um, things. And uh, another uh, uh, issue then, if I, I go back to attention, it is like a person um, being in a, a classroom of foreign speakers when you have DLD. Yeah. So you're there and you don't understand the grammar. You don't catch all the little sounds and put them together like another child would. So if someone says to you, um, sophisticated, um, it would be like us listening to a Ukrainian word and hearing it once and, and it's a multisyllabic or, or a, a word with many sounds in it and we don't know the sounds, we can't say it back. And right. so they can't encode it, they can't put it into their memory. And so that is the relationship between language and vocabulary. These little guys aren't processing auditorily at the level that they should and therefore they can't um, retain the word they can't retain the sentence can't retain the little markers for for grammar like um uh she jumped yeah and it's just a t sound between yeah. the uh, present tense and the past tense jump jumped yeah. one little sound yeah right exactly so that's the complexity of language and and you can't figure it out unless you do a formal assessment and get in there and find out exactly which areas. There are many areas of language that have to be assessed. And the the interventions need to pair up with that. We've talked right. about that. Yeah. yeah. You don't wanna you don't wanna be working on grammar if the child's issue is uh, auditory processing or if they can't follow directions or you don't want to be working on following directions if they have word finding problems and or they don't know the vocabulary it's it, you, the the intervention has to be specific to what is going on with the child and back to again we're going to talk about neuroscience and I think in our in our next podcast but the whole idea is that if you do not go over those pathways often enough and have enough intensity the child can't 
can't retain it. So even though you've given them exposure to it, and that's how we would normally learn language. We're just mm -hmm. exposed to it in running speech and conversation, and we're able to pick up those rules. But if a child's struggling with language problems, they have to have those rehearsals and a lot more intensity and frequency of, of uh, those rehearsals in order to map that into their brain. I think I kind of fell off the, the um, topic. I wanted to mention about um, attention and, and I would just do it again in the context of us being uh, foreign, uh, Oh yeah, yeah in, in sitting in a foreign classroom. And that's how long can you sit and listen and pay attention when a teacher's te uh, speaking in a foreign language and you get maybe 30% of what she's saying. It's hard. Well, exactly. It's like when uh, we're watching Netflix and we put a film on and we realize we're going to have to read subtitles. We're like, oh, that's too hard. I want to hear what they're saying. I can't just read the subtitles. I'm not going to do it. It's too hard. It's And it's kind of like... Um, you know, a good example is if a child, their internal language is uh, her gold store, when they're looking at a picture of a child, a little girl who went to a store, and the sentence under it says, she went to the store, they're going to, if they know how to sound it out, they're going to sound out sh, eh, w, eh, nt, t, a, the, eh, and then maybe they get store because store is a, a word that they have in their vocabulary. They don't have she. They don't have to. They don't have the. They don't have went. So how can you, even if you can sound out words, it's like me just sounding out random Ukrainian words. I don't know what they mean, so they're not going to stick. I can't read them fluently. It's terrible. Exactly. My one of the points I really strongly wanted to get across because, uh, you know, both of us having the experience we've had with reading in the school um, setting, and that points that I really wanted to make uh, that I just so strongly have a feeling for, is the fact that, you know, when we've worked with reading in the school divisions, that. Um, there, it's there's a misnomer there that or a, a misdiagnosis a misconception misdiagnosis that children are really having reading problems right. because ultimately it's that they are having language problems that are showing themselves as reading difficulties or writing difficulties and um, that's where I would have people who are trying to explain DLD to parents or administrators or any anyone who's interested is that DLD is the umbrella yes. it's the big picture yeah. and then reading or um, reading uh, delays or struggles are most often it's the greatest number of reading difficulties are a result of children having language problems and I'll just give you a brief um, sentence if I said the salamander was sitting on a log in the sun and the child can actually as you say decode can sound it out the salamander was blah 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 but at the end of that sentence if they don't know what salamander is and don't have the concept of salamanderness in their head they can't 
pull that information out and so re yeah. after you they labored to decode all of it yeah don't know what it means yeah so then the picture says the teacher says okay now i want you that was your little story for the day now i want you to draw a picture of that they have no idea and, and that so comes then, up in with many vocabulary words yeah. in a story so again it just becomes Da, 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 wah, wah, wah. Yeah. Salam um, salamander. La, yeah, la, la, la. La, yeah. yeah. It is very much. So that comprehension part is so strongly related to language. It, it definitely is. So if we were going to um, uh, go back and talk about what uh, could be done, one of the things that I'd like to see is the intervention start way, way earlier. Because... Most language development, if you look at a graph, the absolute most language development is between zero and three years. And then there's a little bit more between three and five. And then it really starts to sort of, the line sort of starts to almost flatten out. And, and there's just a very gradual line in language development Probably after that. concept and, yes, and vocabulary exactly. building, it's that, it's those in Then it, you get to those embedded sentences, like, you know, if you're uh, a girl and you're wearing a blue shirt, come and, you know, stand in the line sort of thing. It's those more complex ones. But the, the main parts of language, the vocabulary and the basic sentence structures and the ability to follow directions, start so early that I think we need to have... Uh, a province-wide sort of screening pro program or process because parents don't know if their children are having any difficulties in this area. And they're, professionals don't know. Like right. They <laughs> take them to the doctor. They the don't teacher, know. The pre-K yeah. teacher's not going to know. The, yeah. That's right because it's an unknown disability. And, and you and I would even, if we just listen to a child in for a few moments, we're not going to know. No, well, that's, that's the we thing. Might, people, some we might. Yeah, well, some. People... People are always asking us, well, can you can you just go into the classroom or just go into the daycare and just spot out the one that's having trouble? Well, if they're playing with blocks or playing with cars, they look like every other child. But it's when you say at the beginning of kindergarten and you ask them to, um, you want them to... Uh, retell a story and and there, there's that you know the little girl and her mom went to the zoo they saw three fat bears a brown one a black one and a white one they liked the brown one the best well it, it, that's a benchmark children entering kindergarten should be able to retell that story maybe not word for word although some can but they should be able to tell all sort of three parts of that story and make sure that it's uh it's correct, the meaning, the sequence, and so forth. So, and we have tons and tons and tons of children in Saskatchewan that can't. And it's not, it's compounded by the uh, amount of poverty that we're seeing here in Saskatchewan. Definitely. So, so children, because we know children living in poverty have a much lower uh, language rich, they have a less language rich uh, environment. environment. Yes, yeah. yeah. So I'd love, love to see us intervening earlier, and I'm not sure how we get to that. And because, I think because it has to be intensive. Like right now, if you take your child to public health, I'm not sure, I'm not sure what it is right now. I'd love for our public health SLPs to weigh in and tell us. But it used to be that you would see, when I worked in health, you'd see children every other week. Well, twice a month is not nearly intensive enough. No, and if we dovetail back to our last 
um, podcast on standards, it's there has to be an understanding of what children are entitled to and then you can go with a model and say well how intense should it be and so when we're thinking about children with language learning disabilities we need to start at the very very beginning and we know that most language development happens between ages zero and three and then a little bit more between three and five and then after age five it sort of starts to plateau and we have less language development. Yeah, it's more so, like vocabulary yeah, or, or, or complex, embed, complex like embedded, embedded sentences. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. um, so, but, but the majority of the foundation is there. And it's there so much so that at the beginning of kindergarten, we expect, you know, you gave that example of, can you remember this, these words or can you remember this sentence? We expect that children at the beginning of kindergarten should be able to listen to and retell a three-sentence story like uh, once upon a time a little girl and her mom went to the zoo they saw three fat bears a brown one a black one and a white one they liked the brown one the best and most children can retell that story in some fashion they get the if you get the three main elements of what happened the three things that happened um, or some children can retell it word for word but the Parents don't know that that's what's expected of kindergarten children. So if they have, a, say, a, a two-year-old, and their two-year-old is only saying five words, that's not enough. Or if their three-year-old can't follow a two-step direction, you know, go get your uh, winter boots and, uh, you know, stand on the step and wait for me or whatever. <laughs> They, we understand that, but par right. parents we understand yeah, that that's are a problem, not going to see it as a problem. No, they don't see it. So what I'd love to see is a universal screening program, and I'm not sure how that would be delivered. But then after that, there needs to be intensive uh, assessment and intervention for kids who have disabilities. And the issue has been in the past, and this when I was at Health, I mean, people who... SLPs who are in health right now can just write into us and tell us we're incorrect or I'm incorrect. But when I was working in health, we were only seeing kids every other week. And the rest of the time it was home programming. And or they come for a little brief summer program or two weeks. Yeah, or, yeah, something that was not intensive enough. And I mean, I'd love to see these little kids for a couple hours every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and you and I have talked about this, and again, it's radical, but I mean, that's why we're here to talk, right? Is it would it be, would that population be better served in the school setting? So, again, looking at, you know, pre K, uh, where the pre Ks are in the small communities um, versus, in say, in the health regions, having to drive into. Uh, North Battleford to drive into Saskatoon if you're rural or any of those outlying or in the north uh, you know those communities that are so isolated that services have to be readily and daily available right yes, daily. right yes. right in their in their communities yes and and again technology is affording us to you know uh, oversee some of that programming as a professional mm -hmm. and be too tightly involved that can be your job is to be still zooming or or mm -hmm. paying attention to seeing exactly what the interactions are and uh, trying to teach you know capacity in a paraprofessional or something yeah um, so yeah there's um so overall if we are putting dld into a summary and and we're 
back to why we ever chose it as a topic. One, I'm hoping people would really consider thinking about using that term uh, consistently so we can all talk about it and, and that we uh, do some marketing and some advocacy uh, with that terminology with the public and and, uh, yeah. and the leadership of healthcare. I, and, yeah, I definitely think it gets back to your earlier statement about why would anybody advocate for this when they don't know about it? Exactly. So it's that education piece that I think that we need to do and, and help people understand why so many of our children are having difficulty learning to read. And, under, and underscore those statistics. This yes. is, and I think we put it in our, in our blog, this is the greatest educational challenge that we have. But, but I'm not sure that anybody knows that but us. Right, right. <laughs> you know, like, again, it's, under, it's underlying a lot of, uh, again, the understanding of math concepts and it, it, it's science, everything is related to how well you process the language that's uh, For sure. written or, or uh, oral. Well, we could go on and on and on about this topic, as we often do, yes. into the wee hours. <laughs> and maybe with this blog, we'll we'll see some little bit more progress on... And even the podcast. Oh, yeah, the podcast, <laughs> right. She used the wrong term, but Well, Sherry, okay. Sherry's done such a lovely job of our blogs, so... <laughs> If you're wanting to read them, they're way they're way better than my disfluent chatter on here. Oh. If you want to read them, they're over at our website at letstalktalking.com. So you can check those out. Um, but maybe we should sign off for today. So for Let's Talk Talking, I'm Cheryl. And I'm Sherry. Bye for now. Thanks for listening.